Hello and welcome to Fidelity Connects, a Fidelity Investments Canada podcast, connecting you to the world of investing and helping you stay ahead. Today on the program, we welcome special guest Elizabeth Mulholland, CEO of Prosper Canada. Prosper Canada is a national charity that focuses on expanding economic opportunities for people with low incomes across Canada through program and policy innovation. Liz brings an insightful discussion on how we can promote financial policies, programs, and resources that could transform the lives of Canadians. One of those programs is Benefit Wayfinder, an online tool that helps people typically with low to modest income identify any provincial or federal tax credit or income benefits that aims to reduce taxes and boost income. Liz says there's a market gap when it comes to financial help for people with low income. Prosper has been piloting free one-on-one financial advice services, people who need help with tax files or addressing any urgent financial issues. Please note this podcast was recorded as a live webcast, where Liz shared a few slides with the advisor audience. This podcast was recorded on November 21st, 2023. Take us through what Prosper Canada does Broadly, but I wonder if you'll zero in pretty quickly for us on the benefits wayfinder. What this tool <laughs> that is actually crucial for many, many people. So Prosper Canada is a national charity, and our focus is expanding economic opportunity for people with low incomes across Canada through program and policy innovation. So typically, we're not a direct service provider. What we do is work with partners in the financial ecosystem look at ways that we can remove barriers to financial well-being for people with low incomes and also provide them with the programs, tools, resources that they need to really improve their financial situation. So does this sometimes mean just helping them pay the bills of life, the heating bills, the telco bills, (laughs) just just getting the bills done out of the way and and how people traverse financial responsibility? So, you know, people typically fall along a spectrum from some people are in financial crisis when they are seeking services. Other people are, they're stable, you know, like, but getting people from the point where they can't pay their bills and make ends meet at the end of the month to to the point where they can, and they have a little extra leftover. That's one of the first things that you work on. And, and that's where the benefits wayfinder comes in because one out of five people with low incomes in Canada is not tax filing and consequently is missing out on thousands of dollars of income annually. And on average, and we've, through our pilot projects and with our community partners, we've filed hundreds of thousands of low-income Canadians and helped them to access their income benefits. And on average, their income goes up by over $3,500. So, and when you take people who haven't filed for a number of years and backfile them, uh, in some cases, we've seen people with 20, 30, 40, even $70,000 coming in and lump sum payment from CRA that all of a sudden transforms their, the opportunities available to them. So, so we're really interested in job one is making sure that people are tax filed. And if they need help to tax file or apply for an income benefit or tax credit, that they're connected to the help to do that. And that's where the benefits wayfinder comes in. So. And we built the initial prototype for this tool during the early period of the pandemic when the economic lockdowns happened, many people weren't able to go to work, their income was suspended, and then there was an explosion of different relief programs that were put out by the federal government, provincial, but utility companies and telcos and internet providers, banks and credit unions, Um, but people couldn't figure out how to navigate it all. So we built an online tool 
And then as things settled down, uh, we turned that into the Benefits Wayfinder. And essentially, this is an online tool that helps people, typically with low modest incomes, but anybody could use it, to quickly identify any federal or provincial or territorial income benefit or tax credit that could help you reduce your expenses or boost your income. And it's a bilingual tool. It was co-designed at every step of the way with end users. So that end users being you and me and everyone else. Yeah, um, people with disabilities, people who are newcomers, people with language barriers, you know. So people who typically might find it hard to navigate, we try to make sure that we built something that really worked for them. Um, uh, and with service providers who provide financial help to people so that um, it was also uh, designed for them to use with um, clients. So, um, and so uh, essentially what it does is it helps you to quickly through answering a few questions or surfing benefits and picking the ones you're interested in, um, quickly identify what you're probably eligible for. And then to help you um, build an action plan, you can prioritize the ones that you want to focus on. And when you click on it, it'll give you super plain language information on here's what you need to do to access this benefit. And if you need help tax filing or applying, um, here's a directory of organizations across Canada that you can search with your postal code and find one that can help you and provide you with some hands-on help. Do, do you get, when you say service providers, do, do we go back to sort of the heating, the telcos? Because they want to be paid, of course. And so if this tool can help the people using their services then pay them. It's, so what kind of cooperation do you get there from service providers, eating telco, you know, all of the other ones? Yeah, we haven't done so much right now. We tend to focus more on the places where low-income people go for help with other things. So we have over 800 organizations that currently um, use the Benefits Wayfinder with their clients. So these could be municipal services, uh, it could be a community health center, it could be a settlement organization, it could be a parent-child center. Anybody who frequently has low-income clients and knows that they're struggling right now, a lot of them have said, we want to learn how to use this tool with our clients so we can help them quickly identify um, uh, services that are available to them. But, um, but it's interesting that you picked on the utilities. There is a, Hydro One actually does have a partnership with the local United Way and Gray Bruce. Um, and they fund a financial counselor to help low-income people who are in arrears on their payments. Um, and through that program, they realized that uh, they could dramatically reduce the number of people who are arrears on their payments by simply changing their hydro billing date from before when child benefit checks arrive on the 15th of the month to after those checks arrive because they found out that people who are low-income use their welfare check to pay their rent and they use the Canada Child Benefit Check to pay their utility bills. And so if you just switch your utility billing date after the check comes in, uh, they reduce their um, customers in arrears by 50%. That is I didn't mean to pick on them actually, but I think that's- No, I know, but it's a great example of a utility really working hard to support the residents, its customers, to help uh, reduce the pressure on them. So fantastic partnership. So I, I, I bet you've got clients coming to you with, with a housing being evicted, and that would be financial crisis. I wonder if we can, because I want to talk about housing in a second, but I just wanted to go back to the, the tool itself, because you've designed it in the way and you, and you are who you are um, at Prosper Canada, there's no marketing involved is what I'm sort of trying to say. You know, other, other companies would have marketing involved and using the data ultimately to help them do other things. And that, that's the way of the world. That's the way the world works. This is built 
without a marketing strategy. Is that right? Or without? Well, I think we have a strategy to promote it to the folks that we oh. want to be able to access it. And, you know, we use um, Google ads and we also promote through networks of organizations that, uh, that we work with and collaborate with across the country. But um, yeah, we don't collect any information on the people using the tool. So you don't enter your name, you don't register, nothing like that. We don't save any personal information. Um, really, people just tick a few boxes and then it'll quickly populate with what's relevant for you. And you can save that as a PDF and email it to yourself. Um, and you can save the link and go back to that link. It'll pop up the information again for you. But that's it. It's just by saving the link. Um, it doesn't save any information about you. So really, we collect some analytics on what people are clicking on and what benefits are the most interest and stuff not in relationship to specific users, but Annette helps us to kind of understand what's working for people, what's not on the tool, and we use that to improve the tool. What has changed in Canada's, in Canadians who have been in crisis, financially in crisis, in, in poverty? What are notable that's either been fixed or I'm sure there's lots to work on? Are there any bright spots you can point to? Yeah, well, I think, you know, Canada has a, by international standards, pretty generous income security system. And we've made, you know, over the past decades, great strides in reducing seniors' poverty and, and, and more recently reducing child poverty through the Canada Child Benefit. Um, but people with disabilities still suffer disproportionately from poverty. And But the federal government's introducing a new benefit likely next year, We're working on it right now, um, that should help, uh, we hope, a great deal in that respect. And then I think probably single working age adults are still the last frontier with no children. They really, um, they've fallen behind a lot. Welfare rates have not kept up with inflation and uh, EI is hard for many people who have non-standard jobs to access or who are self-employed, which is increasingly more low income. So we still have some real gaps to fill in that respect. Tell us a little bit about meeting one-on-one. -on -one. What 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 happens there? So these would be, as you say, community. Yeah. I'm assuming there needs to be more of that, meeting one-on-one. -on -one. Yes. You know, it's complicated. Finances are complicated, which is why Fidelity exists and why financial advisors exist. Um, it's really important that sometimes people have complicated financial problems or they just lack the expertise to kind of figure out the best way to move towards their financial goals. So Having somebody that they can connect with one-on-one um, -on -one who is empathetic and focused really on helping them and improving their situation is really important and who they can afford. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I think the commercial financial help market serves many Canadians very well, um, but it's not, uh, there is a market gap when it comes to financial help for people with low incomes. Um, so um, we've been piloting free one-on-one -on -one financial help services. Um, uh, that have reached over half a million Canadians. And typically people come in the door because they have a problem and it's fairly urgent or because they want a tax file and they need some help. Um, and tax filing is great because typically a low-income person will tax file, they'll get uh, money back. Um, typically they're owed money by the government. And that then opens up opportunities to have broader financial conversations with them about what do you want to do with the money. Um, do you have debts you'd like to pay down? Do you want to start saving for your child's education? Uh, is there a household expenditure, a big lumpy one like a washing machine or something that you need to pay for? So really trying to help people assess their financial situation and then 
build a plan, decide what their goals are, and then build a plan to get there. Um, and it's easier when they have money coming in. <laughs> so where can advisors find this benefits tool? You can access it by just um, typing in uh, Google search, you know, benefits Wayfinder, uh, Prosper Canada, and it will take you right to the tool. Tell me about an example of, of you know, a family that that has been able to change their change their entire situation. This is my favorite example. We actually ran a pilot project with using professional financial advisors as volunteer financial coaches in partnership with the City of Toronto's welfare program. And uh, we train financial advisors to work with low-income people. There's lots of complexities around people, low-income financial lives that financial advisors uh, typically wouldn't learn in their training. So um, we had to provide some additional training. So we had uh, a coach who worked with a woman named Ava. She had four children. She was on welfare and she had a big student debt as well as some consumer debt and was struggling. She was unemployed. And her coach worked with her to look at her income and her spending, say, you know, you've got to start paying down the debt, but you also need to save for yourself and for emergencies. So he helped her build a budget to do that and get back on track. And then he also helped her find a job. So she actually, she became employed. She moved out of subsidized housing in the market housing. And then her oldest son was uh, ready to go on to college but she was worried about how she would pay for it. And so the coach worked with her to identify all the sources of bursaries and grants. And, and he said, let's try and avoid having your son have to borrow money because debt can be a real burden when people graduate from school. So they were successful in sending her son off to college without borrowing a nickel. And he's going to graduate from college debt-free. So, you know, she paid for her move with her emergency savings. She didn't go into debt. And she's kept up with her goals, you know, and she's really stayed on track. And it was a five-month, you know, relationship with a coach, but it transformed her life. So I think not everybody's in Ava. Life can be hard and there can be more barriers for some people. But I think it's a great example of there's so much capacity in people that with a little bit of help and guidance and support, they can get from a very bad situation to having their life really turned around. And Ava's a, just a great example of that. So. Yeah, I think making sure that people have access to that help, though, is really critical. And right now, unfortunately, most low-income people do not have access to that kind of one-on-one -on -one financial help in their community. And we're working to change that. Is the status quo of supports programs sufficient enough in supporting families most impacted by, by the rising cost of living? No, it's not. And I think we're in a fairly unique moment. I mean, there are some households right up the income scale are feeling the pinch right now. Um, because inflation has uh, escalated so quickly um, and uh, interest rates at the same time. And it's kind of a perfect storm for households. But um, but I think, and the government has, I think the federal government has responded and provincial governments in different ways with trying to provide a bit of relief, but it's been fairly band-aid in nature. Um, and I think really what we're trying to get the federal government and provincial governments to focus on is if you don't close that gap in access to good quality, trustworthy, affordable financial help uh, for people with low and modest incomes, uh, households are not going to be able to turn this around. What we've seen is over the pandemic, folks at the lower end of the income scale really bore the economic brunt. They were worse and worse off all through the pandemic people at the higher income end of the income scale were able to save money and to pay down debt, and they were doing better. So 
Um, and what we're seeing in all the data from the Financial Resilience Institute that you quoted is that financial, uh, the financial stability and resilience of households and their health is continuing to deteriorate in the that kind of bottom 40% by income. Um, and if we don't find ways to turn that around, it's going to have serious consequences for the economy and for Canadians more broadly. So I think there's a lot more work to be done. And we're saving for, for retirement, ultimately. Can you give us a yeah. sense of how many, maybe you said the number, actually, maybe I just didn't catch it, but how many people use um, the Benefits Finder? How, how, how broad? Oh, we've had about over 350,000 since we launched it in January last year. Yeah, and over 800 organized. All right. And we try to, um, you know, we had a lot of help from uh, the tax prepare, tax preparation industry, uh, both Intuit, uh, TurboTax, and H&R Block uh, built the benefits wayfinder into their online tax platforms, and that really helped drive up usage. Um, but we also have those 800 organizations. A lot of them have we've given them all um, graphic buttons that they can embed on the website. So traffic is being driven from all sorts of websites across the country and organizations, the Benefits Wayfinder. So um, we really try and make sure that we're not just creating one gateway to help. We're trying to leverage all the places that people already go for other forms of assistance and build financial help and screening and referrals and you know connecting people to our resources into those organizations and services. Do you find that part of where you go for that, going where people are already going, is actually, you know, digital literacy, making sure that they have the skills to be accessing? Yeah. 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 Also, of Indigenous populations that don't necessarily have regular access to Internet. There's a huge <laughs> issue with um, the digital divide in low-income people. And you've mentioned one group in particular, which is Indigenous people, particularly those living in remote and rural Indigenous communities are less likely to have access to good quality internet infrastructure or cellular. Um, but cost of internet and digital is a huge issue for people with low incomes. Our internet and phone plans are amongst the most expensive in the world. And people with low incomes typically can't afford, um, they may have a, a smartphone because it's essential these days, but they don't have the money to pay for the data. So typically they'll go to a public library where they can have free Wi-Fi access and use that. But it, it's not a secure way to do your, lead your financial life on public, you know, Wi-Fi systems. So it's not a good solution. And not everybody lives close to a library. Um, there are people with mobility barriers, distance challenges, et cetera. So I think crack, you know, really making headway on closing that digital divide for rural, remote, indigenous and low-income people is absolutely critical to building financial health and stability in those populations. Um, and we've still got a long way to go. You have some actually kind of beautiful artwork that, that goes into a PowerPoint slide. Tell us a little bit about, well, there's an artist that, that you might oh. tell us about, but, but really kind of take us through what this is. Oh, yeah. So this is from Managing Your Money. We have uh, we have different toolkits. Uh, and they're in the form of booklets, but you can also download them as worksheets from our website. And the artist is for the original booklet, Managing Your Money, with Simon Bracoupe, who is an Indigenous financial literacy expert and was the partner with us in creating the original approach to these resources, which was to use animals to make them friendlier but in the first resource is specifically drawing on 
lessons linked to particular animals in his culture and in other indigenous cultures as a way to communicate lessons about money. So, and it's uh, an approach that we carried through our other resources using animals because it makes it much friendlier. There's actually quite a bit of research on that. People are very scared of money topics and they're often afraid to broach it. So they like the use of animals. We did realize actually after the fact that it's not unproblematic to use animal teachings and imagery from indigenous peoples without really working with them to understand because there are actually protocols that govern the sharing of those teachings in different First Nation communities. And in some cases, they would not be shared publicly like that. And we were unaware of that. So it was a real learning moment for our organization. And it forced us to confront the fact that we did not have strong cultural competency with respect to Indigenous people and that we were not doing enough in that respect to make sure that our resources were respectful of their culture and inclusive of them. So we've actually been embarked on a whole journey to really kind of deepen our understanding. And this month, the whole organization is doing cultural competency training with Indigenous partners, uh, which we're really looking forward to. But we've also really started to re-examine how we develop our tools and resources to make sure that they're really inclusive. So it's been a great uh, learning experience. And just want to acknowledge how generous and wonderful Simon has been throughout this whole in teaching us as well as giving us a beautiful uh, lesson and, and imagery that he shared. Is Prosper Canada volunteer based? We are volunteer governed. We have a volunteer board of directors, um, uh, but we're a small organization, 30 people. Um, we don't use volunteers on a day-to-day -day basis because we're not a direct service organization, but we do benefit from a lot of pro bono assistance right. from our various business partners who support us in the technology area, in data management, and in other legal support, et cetera. So uh, we have, uh, we do use volunteers in that respect. Do you charge for your services? No, except for there's some of our online courses, there's a small fee where we're not able to raise money to offer them for free, but we try to keep it as low as possible so that it's not a barrier to nonprofits um, having their staff participate in those courses. Everything else is free, and we encourage people to download and share. Wonderful. Okay. So here's a question that takes us into housing. I did want to ask you about this. So how are low-income families impacted by Canada's housing shortage? families impacted by the rental shortages and tenant rights? I'm, I'm sure the answer is is yes. Give us a little bit of a sense in, in a few minutes. Yeah. I, I think it's it's becoming more and more of an issue. Um, uh, people are finding it harder and harder just to find any housing and then harder and harder to afford it because the cost of other things is going up as well, like food, um, transportation, et cetera, and energy costs. So um, I think it's more and more of a struggle, and we're seeing rising rates of evictions across the country. Um, and, you know, during the pandemic, there were temporary freezes on evictions, and that helped a lot. But once those came off, kind of the floodgates opened, and, and the pressures continued to mount. You know, inflation hasn't stopped. So um, we really, it is reaching crisis proportions. You know, people are choosing between rent and food now in a lot of cases. So. Yeah, and you're hearing that from the food banks, knowing that people are just yeah. trying to pay the rent. Tell, tell us a little bit about, you know, if someone comes to you with they're they're in crisis because they're being evicted, what what would you start with? So typically they don't come to us; they come to one of our community partners through one of our projects. But 
Um, if they did, they would immediately ask them if they had tax filed in the past year. And then if they hadn't, and even if they had, they would look to make sure they're getting all the income that's available to them. Um, they might connect them to some emergency financial supports or other supports that are available in the community, food banks, et cetera, rent banks, uh, anything that's available to help them. Um, and then they would try to work with them to improve their financial situation more generally over the longer term. But job one is really getting them to the point where they can um, cover their rent and food and basic needs um, and then start to work on the longer term from there. So tell us how, you know, we've got, we've got the, the fall economic statement coming out this evening from the federal government. Is there, a, if you were to name a single thing that would really help coming out of that as an announcement or at least an area, what would that be? I would love to see the government commit in the short term to probably making banking more affordable and, and dealing with the, the gap in access to affordable credit because they've already put down some markers on that. So we'd like to see it move forward. But in the longer term, saying that we're going to make household financial health a priority and really make this a, a key focus going forward. And we're going to put the tools and programs and mandates and resources and partnerships in place to really start moving the dial because we recognize it's going to take a while for Canadians to dig out of the, the financial hole that many people are increasingly in and they're going to need help to do it. And some people just don't have that help right now. Um, so we need to fill that gap. But if I just go back to what you mentioned about yeah. lending, is that some version of, of micro lending? Uh, it could be. I think really what we're looking at is access to affordable credit up to about $3,000 maybe maximum for consumer uses. We do have small dollar lending programs uh, federal and, and nonprofit ones for people who are entrepreneurs. But what we don't have is for somebody who has a cash crunch, they have an income and expense gap because maybe their their car broke down and they need to fix it. Or, you know, maybe they didn't get the shifts that they were hoping to get this month and their income dipped and they can't make ends meet. So people have these short-term cash crunch needs. So how can we help people in the short term deal with those? But at the same time, recognize that in some cases, they need longer term help, financial counseling to help them strengthen their financial stability and have more, you know, build emergency savings so that they can self-smooth these gaps rather than having to rely on emergency credit. But, you know, well, life happens to everybody and we need to have systems in place to help people with those. Elizabeth Mulholland, thank you for what you and Prosper Canada do in this world. Thank you. Thank you for having me today, Pamela. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us here today. Have a good afternoon. I'm Pamela Ritchie. Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Connects podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Fidelity Connects on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review or a five-star rating. Fidelity mutual funds and ETFs are available by working with a financial advisor or through an online brokerage account. Visit fidelity.ca slash how to buy for more information. While visiting fidelity.ca, you can also find information on future live webcasts. And don't forget to follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks again. See you next time. 
The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada, ULC, or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy or endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing. Funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments.